Turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, we're going to be reading in your hearing verses 36 through 53. Luke 24 verses 36 through 53. And our focus will begin in verse 44. We have that Jesus has died and he has been buried, as we talked about last week. And now he has risen and he's appearing to those around him. Let's begin our reading in Luke chapter 24, verses 36 through 53. Now as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposing they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do you doubt and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. Verse 41. But while they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, Have you any food here? So they gave him a piece of a broiled fish and some honeycomb, and he took it and ate in their presence. Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day that repentance and remission of sins should be repreached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. May Oh, let us continue, I'm sorry. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them, now it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Father God, open our hearts, open our minds, make things clear and apparent to us and how we should apply them to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I ended my reading early in a way because that... Uh, was ending the main focus, but we'll spend most of our time in verses 44 through 49. Verses 44 through 49. As you look at this passage of Scripture, we can break it down into some sections. In verse 44, it talks about that these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must fulfill which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. When they, he ends that, the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me, that is basically the entirety of the Old Testament. The entirety of the Old Testament. He's saying, I told you these words 
and I'm teaching these words that these things needed to be fulfilled. He's laying out the importance that scripture must be fulfilled about him. He is the Christ. When we say Jesus the Christ, the Christ is a title. He's the Messiah, the promised one, the anointed one. And we find in verse 45, he opened their understanding so that they could understand Scripture. Scripture. Verse 44 talks about Scripture. Verse 45 talks about Scripture. Then he starts verse 46, then he said to them, Thus it is written. Scripture. Scripture. It was important to Jesus that he fulfill Scripture. That he was walking within the bounds of the prophecy. Can you see how that elevates Scripture? Scripture, God's Word. Scripture. Jesus, when he was tempted, did what? He quoted Scripture. Jesus had a high value of Scripture. In some churches you might go in today, or some services of things you might go in today, you're lucky if they give you one verse of Scripture. They may talk about different things, but do they have a high value of Scripture? Do they consider it the Word of God? Or do they say it contains the Word of God? Then they determine for themselves which parts they like and which parts they don't. But Scripture is of value to Christ. It should be valued to us. He was fulfilling the Scripture. It's the importance of Scripture. So these are these last things that Jesus is telling them of after his resurrection. He was fulfilling Scripture. And what was he fulfilling? That he needed to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And today we celebrate that third day. Now you might be wondering, maybe you've not heard before, there might be some confusion. Jesus died on a Friday night. He rose on a Sunday. How is that the third day? How is that the third day? For some of you have heard this before. We just are telling you again, just think about it. It's the third day. It touched three days. It touched three days. Just think about it. If you went to work on Friday and you had to work on Saturday, you had to work on Sunday, how many days did you go to work? You went to work three days. Some people think of it that it's duration. So if it's duration, it's two days. It was on the second day that he rose. No, he touched, it touched all three days. It was the third day from the event. And so he rose. He wasn't just buried and stayed. He rose because if he didn't rise, where's the victory? When did sin enter? When did death enter? With sin in the fall, in the garden. He arose. That gives us the hope and the promise of the opportunity of forgiveness of sin and victory 
over sin, but he also gives us the hope of eternal life. The hope of eternal life. There's a lot in these scriptures. And he said that he was fulfilling the scriptures and that repentance and remission of sins be preached. Repentance and remission of sins be preached. What is remission? It's pardon. It's pardon for our sins. It's a settling of. It's a forgiving of the pardon. But it's also, the other part that was to be preached was the repentance, the change. You could probably turn on your TV today and they will tell you about all the good things. I can think of somebody in particular, they say, goes along these lines, but you can find out all the good things. And yes, God loves you. But we remember that the reason he came and died is for the sins. Why, if Jesus has pardoned us from our sins that we have committed, would we want to continue in those sins? There is, as Jesus calls for, a need of repentance. There needs to be a change. And you might not be able to make the change on your own, and you probably can't. It is sin. We are born in sin. We have these tendencies. We have what they would call a bent to sinning. It's an inclination to sin because we are born in sin. We're depraved. And so God, his son, came to die. Shed his blood for the pardoning and remission, and then he arose. So he's telling us the importance of two things that need to be preached are repentance, the change, and the pardoning of the sins through his blood. They both need to both to take place. Too many people go to a church, I believe, they go to church and, and they want to be told that what they're doing is okay. And they'll say it's under the blood of Jesus, but there's no repentance. There's no change, and that's part of the deal. How can you continue walking away from God in your sins and be claiming to walk towards God at the same time? But he also talks about that it needs to be preached. It needs to be preached. And right now I am preaching. Not everyone that gets up on a pulpit on a Sunday morning is necessarily preaching. Or at least they're not preaching the word. Some people find offense on the word preaching. The Bible talks to us about the foolishness of preaching. It's that proclamation. It's good to teach. But they shy, there's this shying away from even that you're giving a sermon. They'll want to call it a teaching. They'll want to call it a this, or they want to call it a that. The Bible calls it preaching. And maybe they're doing something different on Sunday morning, but Jesus elevates the value of preaching. Proclaiming is what it's about. And it's to go out to all nations, it says there. In verse 47, 
and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Beginning at Jerusalem. Both home missions, as it used to be called, and foreign missions are important. We don't have, if people need fed, you don't have a grocery store in one location. At some point, you need to have a grocery store in the next town, and in the next town, and in the next town. We don't make everybody come to one central town to get groceries. People need the word of God, and so it spreads. And so, Lord, let's concentrate it where we're at. Let's concentrate it where we're at first. Yes, we're supposed to concentrate it where we're at as well. But there's other people that need it, and I will dare say that if we don't jump out into the other communities as well, we don't have missionaries to go to other parts of our own country or to go other uh, places in the world. There are those that are satisfied to just worry about the local. And if we're just lowering about the local, then who's going to tell the ones that are beyond? Jesus says that it needs to be preached everywhere. Everywhere. And I dare say that there's some that get away of it being preached locally. And there's some that don't want to accept it locally. But there's some that are outside the local and the local locales that need Jesus, that want Jesus. We need to send people. As Paul went on his missionary journeys, several of them, into the different parts, into Asia Minor, and he ended up in Rome, and different places that he went. He was on missionary journeys. He didn't stay in Jerusalem. So we need to support both our local work and our workings around the world. Beginning at Jerusalem. And then what did he say next? He said, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. He's sending the Holy Spirit. He's sending the Holy Spirit. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry, wait. Expect the Holy Spirit. Expect the Holy Spirit. I'm sending him. Expect the Holy Spirit to come. If you're seeking God, expect the Holy Spirit and wait on the Holy Spirit to empower, to enable. I think that's been a struggle. At least sometimes it's a struggle for me as we're here in the church and we want people to come. We're trying to do as much as we can to bring people in. But when it comes right down to it, maybe we just need to do as much as we can. We need to really allow the results to be with God, but we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to empower us to do the work. But we also need the Holy Spirit to go and to draw and to toil the soil. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. Expect the Holy Spirit. Wait on the Holy Spirit. And expect to be endued with power from on high. Apologize for my cold. 
expect, wait, and expect. We're expecting the promise of the Holy Spirit, wait on the Holy Spirit, expect to be endued with power from on high. Why wait? Why tarry? Because we need it. We need the enablement. If you would go into the book of Acts and that you would read it, you would find them talking about that they were gathered together in the upper room and they were in one accord. When we first started building Hondas around here, that was, uh, you would hear that joke, that they all were in one accord. That means Honda was in the Bible. Um, it's a bad joke. And it's a bad joke 30 years ago. But uh, they're in one accord. They're together. They're worshiping together. They're seeking God together. Jesus prayed for them that they would be one, just as I and my Father are one. It's that unity. It's important. It's important. In Acts 1.8, we're just going to, we'll come back right back to Luke. So you can stick your finger in your Bible, and I can go to Acts 1.8. You can turn there, or you can just uh, wait, and I'll read it to you. In Acts 1.8. It says, And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the other ends of the earth. For us, that would be like in Marysville in Ohio, and in the United States, and unto the other ends of the earth. We're supposed to be involved, but you will see power. You will see power. What is the Holy Spirit empowering us to do? Empowering us to do ministry. 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 When we allow the Holy Spirit to take full resonance in our hearts. Now we're not talking about just the Holy Spirit and we get saved and we have the presence of God and he's in our life. And we let him come into the entryway. We're talking about the Holy Spirit everywhere. It enables us to deal with sin. It gives us the abilities. It enables us to do the work that God finds beneficial for the church. And what's the church about? The church is about edifying and building up itself. Do you see how all this comes together? Can you see how all this pivots on the crucifixion and the resurrection so that the message can go out we need the Holy Spirit but there is no message to take unless the that Easter happens and the Holy Spirit can't come until Jesus is sent back to his father and then we need the Holy Spirit to enable us to reach others. You see it all fitting together? The Holy Spirit's coming to teach us about Jesus. The Holy Spirit's helping us to serve. The Holy Spirit cleanses and empowers. But we can be enabled to do ministry, but we don't have a ministry to be enabled to do unless Easter happens. It all works together. It all works together. 
Scripture is important. Understanding Scripture is important, too. Who enabled that? Christ helped them to see it. You know, when we bring the Scripture to people that don't understand the Bible, why don't they understand the Bible? Because they're not Christians. Bible is power unto salvation, but we need the Holy Spirit to help us to understand it. And we're going to comprehend things that non-Christians don't. Some of you will hear today a part of the sermon that speaks directly to you. And some of you will walk away with something different. And some of you will walk away with nothing at all. But if you're listening to the Holy Spirit, you should hear something. Because we're talking about the Word of God. But it's important that we understand it, and we need the Holy Spirit's help to do that. The Holy Spirit indwelling in us and helping us and walking with us is enabled because what was rent, the veil between the court in the temple and the most holy of holies and what was in the holy of holies the ark of the covenant and it, it had the mercy seat and that's where the presence of God would dwell but the veil was rent from top to bottom allowing us access to God but also allowing the Holy Spirit to come into our lives. The blood of Jesus enabling it. It's all working together. And when we look back at Easter, we look back with an understanding of the Holy Spirit and the presence, but I wonder, I don't know what it was like before. Before. See, now we don't need to go to a priest. We don't have to go to the high priest that has to work and cleanse and do all the things they do so they can go into the most holy of holies. If you remember from the Old Testament, they would have to go in with a rope around them. And they have little bells on their robes. And they would listen for them walking through. If they stopped hurting the bells, they know that they had walked in the holiness of God and they were unable, they were unpure, and God killed them. The holiness of God killed them. They couldn't take it. See, through the blood of Jesus, now we can come in the most holy of holies, and we don't have to have a representative and a priest. We go right to the throne where Jesus ever makes intercession for us. Scripture is important. Understanding Scripture is important. Scripture was fulfilled. It ties together. Repentance and remission are important, not just a pardon, but a change. And the gospel should be preached everywhere. The Holy Spirit is promised. We need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit empowers. That's what it's all about today. It's about my sins. It's about your sins. It's about their sins. 
There's the message of forgiveness. There's a message of a change. There's a message that there's help for you. Because it doesn't matter what sin that you committed. It doesn't matter what sins you are committing. It doesn't matter if you were born with a tendency to lie or to gamble. Tendencies and uh, sexual activities. Whether you was born with a really hot temper, if you're a brawler, just whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Infidelity, stealing. Whatever that thing is that keeps tripping you up, whatever that thing that is in your way, Jesus died for the forgiveness of those sins, but he also died so that you can have victory over that sin. If you let him. If you let him. Some of you need Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. Some of you need Jesus to help you stop walking against God and start walking toward God. You might even come to church and you're kind of going towards God but you're kind of going against God. I was a cousin one time that did an illustration. And his illustration was like if you were in a boat. And you're, you have two boats. And you got one foot in a boat for God. And you want to have one foot in a boat against God. If, if either one of those sinks, you're sunk. You're either in the boat with God or you're not. You're like, I'm all in for God, or I'm all not for God. But if you're like lukewarm, like the Laodiceans is, you're sunk. Because when the one boat goes down, and it's going to go down, you're sunk. You're going in. You're going in. So, don't be double-minded. Don't be trying to go towards God and going against God at the same time. Move towards God. That's what Easter's about. That's what Easter's about. It is about both forgiveness of our sins. Forgiveness of our sins. And a change. And it's also about, as we preach and believe in entire sanctification, and that's another message. But I'm reminding you about it. In his death and resurrection we have the ability not over for the parting and remission of the sins but the deal with the sin nature that we are born with that bent to sinning that kind of like a car that's out of alignment keeps wanting to go into the ditch maybe that's the kind of Christian life you've been reliving I'm trying to serve God but I keep going in the ditch my car's out of alignment you ever driven a car out of alignment it keeps wanting to go, that you've got to keep fighting it. Your car's out of alignment. It's that sin nature. The death and resurrection of Jesus enables the Holy Spirit to come and to do a cleansing, to do a work on that. Oh yeah, there's going to have to be a whole remodel done. 
He's going to come out and take out some walls and add some walls. and It's a whole remodel. It's a process. But it has to have a beginning. It has to have a surrender. So today as we celebrate Easter, whether you're celebrating your salvation or celebrating your entire sanctification or celebrating the walk you're having with Him, or if you need Jesus to forgive you of your sins and help you make that change, and you're in the deep miry clay, he wants to reach down and help you out of it, those things, those activities, based in his love, that we can be rescued. And there's help for us, because he loves us all. That's what Easter is about. Let's be standing together. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for this day. We thank you that we can celebrate our salvation. We thank you that we can celebrate entire sanctification. We thank you that we can celebrate the victory we can have over sin. We thank you that we can celebrate our hope in heaven. We're thankful that we can celebrate that regardless of what tendency we were born in, what sin we live with, that we can have victory over it. Not just the parting and forgiveness of it, but repenting a change from it. And we don't have to do that alone. You will help us. We thank you for that today. May we each one be obedient in what you're asking us to do today. Whether it's finding a place of prayer and saying, Lord, I'm sorry for my sins, please forgive me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I want to follow you. Help me to follow you. Thank you for saving me. Maybe it's that prayer. Maybe it's someone that's already a Christian that's, they're kind of holding some things back. Maybe there's a relationship that they haven't surrendered to God. Or maybe it's the new car. Maybe it's the job. Or maybe it's, maybe it's. Maybe they're maturing in their walk with you. They've come to the place that they're realizing that I'm, I can't be all I need to be for God. I can't be all I want to be for God. I need God's help. Lord, help them to surrender to you. Bless us as, as we go our separate ways. May we remember we're to be your witnesses in our community and throughout the world. We're to be your witnesses. And if we can't go, we should help others go. But Lord, help us to be obedient to all things. In all things to you we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.